トム、スティーブ、こんにちは。この番組すごいですね。あなたたち超面白い。私が番組出てもいいふん<笑>
Mm. How about time travel? How about time travel in pop culture? Time travel in pop I think we uh, had mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it's definitely worth... In fact, spoiler alert, I think we mentioned it in the Tropes podcast, where I said it was one of my least favorite tropes ever was time travel, because it's always yeah. done horribly badly. But it's definitely worth fleshing out and getting a larger conversation, because it's so pervasive. Well, let's travel back in time, shall we? And think about when the concept of time travel was introduced to humans. Do you think it's something that like early philosophers talked about or do you have any evidence of that or is this a fairly new phenomenon where science fiction writers thought what? this is an interesting concept? Yeah, I got to imagine that the idea of time travel has always been as long as there had been people who thought about mistakes they made. There's at least been the desire to, oh, man, I wish I could go back and change that. You know, as long as we had the wherewithal to do that. So like as long as there've been people, really. And then I'm sure culture at least in its primitive form, had some kind of stories about, oh, this person came from a different era. This person went to a different era. Right. But science fiction as a idea and a literary medium has only been around for a couple, I want to say like maybe two, three hundred years at the most. Yeah. Like there's definitely, and I, I should have looked up this, but I've heard who was considered the first science fiction author. And I, I know some people say like Mary Shelley was maybe one of the first, you know, the woman that wrote Frankenstein. Oh, I, I'm, I'm aware. I was actually thinking today because I was on my Kindle and I was browsing something new to read, and there was a, the, one of the characters' name was um, Francis Francine Stein or something like that, and I'm like, ha ha ha, clever. If your last name was Stein, you'd actually be doing your child a disservice if you didn't name them like Franklin Nathaniel <laughs> Stein, <laughs> which so is probably why. People we've known named Stein that aren't named Frank just, just don't work out. <laughs> yeah, that's probably probably true. But anyway, so the so you're saying that science fiction as a uh, pop culture, I it feels weird to say like 1800s is pop culture, but certainly I mean, what's pop it. culture? It's popular and it's culture. It's pop culture. You know, the Mona Lisa is pop culture, uh, right? But they weren't watching VH1 back in the 1800s. So, well, if somebody time traveled and brought a videotape back with them. I'm just saying. Well, and that's I, you know it's how I say videotape because that's the, the technology that was in place the last time I watched VH1. So, <laughs> okay. So why does it fall apart so hard? Because I don't think we have the language to actually express it well, to express it in a coherent manner without it falling apart as soon as you poke it. If that makes any sense, I, I, I want to preface it by saying this, and this makes me sound I don't know. Pretentious isn't the word, maybe just delusional. But I say that anytime somebody in fiction, any form of fiction, TVs, movies, writing, whatever, writes about time travel, somebody going back to the past, they're not actually writing about time travel. Even though they think they are, even though they say they are, even though that the whole story structure says, I am going back to the past to 1955, they're not actually writing about time travel. And I have a reason for it. Me and my dad and my brother have had this argument since I was a teenager. And they both okay. think I'm crazy. But I'm not. I'm right. I'm always right. <laughs> okay, what is this theory? I say that anytime in fiction somebody is depicted as going back to the past, they never actually go back to the past. And <laughs> this might be heavy, probably not. They never go back to the past in their own timeline, right? Right. They Marty McFly did not go back to nineteen fifty five in the world he was born into. He went back to an alternate timeline, which means a different universe entirely. Yes. Because and that that fits with my personal belief about time travel, which I teased to you earlier in the week, but right. we'll get to that. But I'm saying that 
logically, if you try to examine any fiction that has to do with time travel, you will see that it cannot ever happen the way the person wants it to happen. Even though they're completely imagining it, you know, they're pulling a whole cloth out of thin air. It's not happening the way they think it's happening, the way they're writing about it happening. What they're writing about, even though they don't know it, is somebody going to another universe. It has to be that way. It's like saying you can write one plus one equals three, but there's nothing coherently logical about that. It's a paradox, and you can't actually express that in real terms. That's my theory. So... Like you can write it down on paper all day long, but it doesn't hold up to any kind of logical scrutiny, even within the narrative of a fiction. Right. Now, if you take a movie like The Arrival, right, they flip the script on that a little bit. Speaking of language, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a language for time travel, and it's not necessarily time travel so much as it is, spoiler alert, you experience time in a linear fashion. Is that the best way to put that? Circular fashion. Wait, circular. But, you and me experienced time in a linear fashion. She was doing it in a circular fashion. Right. Well, she experienced time all at once, I guess, is the best way. Which is actually can't be true, even with the way they depicted it, because she only got snippets of different points in her life. So it's not all at once. Right. But she was experiencing <clears throat> the future and the present simultaneously. That's, yes. And that's... Yes, I'll say that. Okay. So that would be experiencing time all at once. But it would be time as an event versus time as a, an experience. I see, or yeah, okay, they, I see what you or, mean. Or are they one in the same? Because she was receiving information to fix a problem in the present, but that information didn't come to her all at once. That information came to her in a way, and that's probably for the audience's benefit for suspense. But, I mean, if she was truly experiencing moments or events simultaneously, she wouldn't need to show up at that party and have the Chinese general give him her, uh, give her his cell phone number in that form. She would just know it. Correct. So this, we talked about this before, and I think this goes back to, and weirdly enough, I think this movie kind of did it well, was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Where they know something has to happen. Like, which one says, oh, you know, I need my dad's keys. So leave him, leave, leave him behind, behind the, the sign. Bush. Or, yeah, leave him the bush. And then, boom, the keys are there. It's like, okay, we got to remember how to, we got to remember to do that. We got to remember to go back, use the time machine to put the keys right. there. Or else and they that's... won't be there. But we did do that. So, yeah, party on, Wayne. Party on. I, uh, <laughs> I just missed my slacker movies. I'm that's sorry. okay. Wayne's World. <laughs> uh, they did some time traveling in Wayne's World. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it. To get back to pop culture and how time travel is depicted, it's it's actually in quite a bit of stuff, whether you think it or not. Um, a lot of flashbacks and a lot of things like that. But, right. I mean, there are a lot of movies that even if time travel isn't used the way or not in a conventional way, time travel is at least mentioned or brought up. In some, like Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico trying to go back in time so he goes on that <laughs> eBay or whatever and he gets that device that electrocutes their genitals to make them go back in time. <laughs> I um, about that. That is right. Yeah. Yeah, so, even just throw away little scenes like that that mean nothing. It's, it's right. all over the place. It's 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 pretty heavy, man. Why is everything in the future so heavy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get what you're talking about. Is there something wrong with the gravitational field? <laughs> oh, I love Back to the Future. And that's, <laughs> that's such a, the whole thing. I mean, entertaining... But you, the suspension, suspension of disbelief is through the roof. Oh on, yeah, 
a movie like that. The, any time yeah. that somebody could take any of that seriously and really build anything off that other than a fictional story is. I love uh, the crack podcast that did the whole bit about Doc Brown being evil and having, <laughs> a psychopath, right? Having to kill Marty McFly. And, I have used uh, that in my own speech. <laughs> yeah, it's a good success. Um, you see, I will never shit on Back to the Future. That is a great movie because it's not. It's about time travel, but nobody ever tries to. You know, nobody's taking it seriously and knows what it is. It's just there to entertain you. It's movies that use time travel supposedly in a serious manner, like we talked about before, that one about Millennium, people in the future snatching people off airplanes. Yep. That's uh, That was ridiculous. <laughs> Utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Well, does anybody get it right? Like, who, who's doing it I, right? I have my, and I, I think you can probably guess which one it is. I have my idea for what I think is one movie that gets time travel at least as close to right as possible. Well, I have guess. two. Well, I know I know you know what it is. I know okay. you're going to say right. It right off the bat. Yeah. Go ahead and say it. Primer. Primer. Yeah. Right off the bat. <laughs> and I actually watched a little YouTube. If you want to, if anybody listening has not seen Primer, watch this movie. Stop the you, podcast right now. Yes. And go watch Primer. And then we'll wait. And I can tell if you're not doing it. And, and since you're not doing it, I hate you. Just so you know. <laughs> um, but once you're done and you're thoroughly confused and you will be go to youtube i, I watched this again today because it's been long enough that i watched it. i was trying to remember there's a girl there's this british girl that does a podcast or a podcast a youtube channel it's called primer illustrated she goes through the whole, whole thing from start to finish about like a 20 so minute thing and she does a really good job explaining exactly what's going on really yeah really yeah, good I, and I, it's I, like I like i said it's illustrated so she has little graphics so that really helps you see okay okay that kind of miss this and yeah i didn't realize that's what was happening yeah i imagine that that would be helpful for a movie like that because there's a lot to keep track of you have people that are essentially traveling back in time to make sure they don't meet up with themselves in another time and right but then one have... asshole decides screw it i'm gonna totally mess with myself <laughs> in the past and... right <laughs> um so but they do it right well i'll say this it's the best time travel movie because they do at least one thing absolutely right and this is like a big theory out there that physicists have actually come up with like if you actually do want to travel in time you need an anchor you need something like okay if it's march 11 2017 if i build a machine a time traveling machine at best i can only travel back to march 11 2017 because this is where i make my anchor so in mm-hmm. the future i'll build a machine i can only go back to where this machine already existed right Which... and then that's what they do they go back and they sequester themselves they play the stock market it's a whole thing you got to watch it to yeah it's a good movie but that's like that's as well he's like yeah we and theoretically time travel is possible if you build an anchor so right now nobody could ever travel to today because there's no time well as far as we know there's no time travel machine today right but, well um you know watching uh watching jesus get crucified or something like that you're out of luck <laughs> no time travel machine you can't step go back on, that far nobody built a time travel machine back then. step on a butterfly and change the course of history right um who else gets it right? Who, for entertainment purposes, who who does a good job? So you have Back to the Future that for entertainment can't, purposes can't go wrong sure. for entertainment purposes. I guess Primer is a very entertaining movie, but um, there's certainly bigger, more blockbustery type movies. For example, Terminator. <laughs> 
which is an example of why it falls apart, but you don't care. It's like I put it on the same, not not that it's the same genre, but the same level as um, Back to the Future because, yeah, the time travel part, once you've broken that, is utterly ridiculous, but you don't care because it's just a fun ride. Right. But seriously, Skynet, what for a supercomputer, amazing, all-powerful entity thing, why would you just send one thing back to kill Sarah Connor as an adult? <laughs> it's dumb as hell. Yeah, unless they come up with some sort of explanation as to why it could only send one. Maybe it generated a certain amount of power to send one individual back. Did they ever send that? I don't think so. But I don't think they like, did. That brings up a good point about the mechanics of actually traveling back in time. And everybody talks about a time machine. So you and this machine and the surrounding couple of feet around you are traveling. I mean, I, that that to me is harder to reconcile or not harder to reconcile but it's hard for me to think about in terminator you went back in time nude in a sphere that burned a hole in the ground so i mean that to me seems more plausible than hopping in a uh you know a delorean and traveling back in time because yeah everything would everything would have to go with you and what i mean what is there a field around you that only the outside shell of the DeLorean gets to go or you know what I mean? <laughs> well, like it's... this touches on the biggest problem of time travel. I wanted to quiz you a little bit. Okay, go. All right. So time travel, you move from when we talk about time travel, at least so far, we're talking about going from the future or the present to the past. Yes. And there's a different type of time travel, which we, I'm sure we're going to get into, but going from the present to the past, there's a huge, huge problem with that. Actually, going the other way is kind of a problem, too, if you don't do it right. But can you think of the biggest obstacle to traveling to the past? Besides the illogical, paradoxical nature of it, what's the so, biggest problem you're going to have traveling so to the past? if you were sitting in that chair and just traveled back in time... Yeah. Um, well... You're dead well, meat. Well, you're dead meat, because... I, I guess one of the things that I listen to in a podcast, I, I hope that I get this right, is you can't have time without space. Exactly. Time, time and space are... You they can't go time travel space. without space. If I was standing in my living room and I went even like a day into the past... That's not would, where the earth would be. That's not where the earth, that's not where the earth would be. You, you're standing in a, at a spot in space that is the earth revolving and it's orbiting the sun and the sun itself is moving through the Milky Way and the Milky Way itself is drifting through the universe. Right. So, so that, if space is a fixed coordinate, like a fixed place, then you travel a day into the past, just right where you're at. You're going to be floating in space and you'll be dead. <laughs> yes. Unless so you have an awesome space suit. Yeah, there you go. Put a spacesuit on. They're like, hey, I see the Earth. It's like a thousand miles away. That's great. This, this was successful. This was yeah. fun for an hour or so. How do I get back? Uh, yeah, that that is my understand basic understanding that everything when it comes to time, uh, you have to have space, and everything with space has to have time. You're you're literally teleporting as you travel through time. Yes, and teleporting so, is another physics problem that nobody can <laughs> wrap their mind around either. Um. Well, true, and there's a good movie about that, The Fly, mm. Jeff Goldblum, great movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're the original, like the old old school one. Yeah, yeah, the black and white one. I never did see. Yeah, that. I don't. I don't think I saw that either. Mm. I was terrified by The Fly, by the way, when I was a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. The Gina Davis was looking hot though. Oh yeah. When oh, doesn't she? She still looks good. Yeah, I know. We should do a podcast about Gina Davis. Just a long kiss, good night. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Um. Transylvania 65,000. Oh, uh, yeah. 
I have that DVD. I gotta watch that. Anyway, I love I love that movie. Um, but anyway, if you well, okay. So before we go any further, let's talk about other mediums that time travel exists in. Um, in particular, books. What the most famous good... one? It's got to be the H.G. Wells, right? Yeah, H.G. Wells, The Time Machine. Yeah. In the weird-ass movie that came. <laughs> because <laughs> as a result, who was in that? Was was that not Ralph Fiennes? It was... Oh, uh, God. It's not Count of Monte Cristo. He was yeah. a bad guy in a... I keep getting him. Uh, Guy Pierce. Guy, Guy Pierce. Pierce. Yeah, Guy Pierce. Yeah. Uh, I think Jeremy Irons was in it at the end or something. Of course he was. He's got to be in it. Oh, oh, and Orlando Jones. Wait, that's his name, right? The guy from Mad TV. Okay, Office I, I got to look something up while we're talking. But all right, uh, there's another really, really good uh, time travel movie I remember from when I was a kid that was on HBO. Well, there was an older version of the Time Machine that was with um, Caligula. Jeez, well, I can't, I'm not forgetting everybody's name right now. But apparently that would I never saw it, but that's hailed as like a kind of a classic. People appreciate that one much better than the, what was it, 2001 version that came out with Guy Pierce. But um, yeah, that's probably the first popular fiction that put it into the consciousness of the people. But what did he do? He traveled to the future, right? He wasn't yeah. even going to the past. Right. And that is more of a realistic I was more even, of a solid base. Right. Like achieving close to light speed or something. I don't remember it off the top yeah. of my head, but um, well, ding, dang, do I don't remember. It, there's a some time travel movie from the '80s that's on HBO. I'll, I'll remember it before the end of the podcast, and I'll just yell out the name. <laughs> um, Connecticut but, Yankee and King Arthur's Court. No, <laughs> uh, classic. Well, I'm I'm thinking one of the best descriptions of time travel to some degree that I've read is Stephen King did. Uh, I believe it when is in his book called On Writing, mm-hmm. and he does a lot of exercises mm-hmm. on um, how to write and, and things along those lines. How he got his start, you know, what he does when he's writing and things along those lines. And one of the things he does is an exercise in time travel, and um, he talks about how he's like it's 1987, and I'm sitting at my typewriter and I'm typing this, and now you're in whatever year you're in, and you're reading it, and our minds are connected. You know, goes on that way, and. Obviously, it's not the traditional time travel that yeah. you think of, but to some degree, you know, ideas and things along those lines have to travel through time, just like you we know, do. Yeah, I know. That reminds me of something I read recently. It's a bit of an aside, but I, I think it's worth talking about. It was a fascinating bit of, I don't know, a fascinating idea. There's a guy named Alan Moore. You, I, you probably heard of him. He's uh, he's a guy that wrote, he's considered like maybe the greatest comic writer of all time. He wrote Watchmen. Yep. V, you know for vendetta mm-hmm. he wrote he's actually still writing a comic series called providence and it's a whole hp lovecraft thing but um in the back of it he wrote something about how the written word was probably the development of language and the actually writing down words mm-hmm. was probably how we got our concept of our idea of what magic is because to, to an ignorant society the idea that you could take something a clay tablet whatever and scribble down these almost arbitrary lines and pictures on on that and then give it to somebody else that lived far away and they knew what you were thinking because they can know what those squiggles mean was magic that's where the idea of a magic spell came from that for for the first people the vast bulk of humanity that did not know how to write seeing somebody look at something that somebody else squiggled out on a piece of paper like if i just took my fingers and brushed them through a you know pile of sand and somebody else walked up to you and said oh hey uh i see that you 
woke up today and had eggs and toast for breakfast. That would be amazing. Like, how the heck? And because it's just meaningless squiggles through sand. And that's what language was to the first people. And that stayed in our consciousness. The idea of transmitting ideas over long distances just by putting a symbol on a piece of a medium, a piece of wood, a piece of clay, whatever. That's magic. That's magic. That's transporting your idea through time and space. The internet. Amazing. That is. Well, that that is probably. And now you can do comment sections on YouTube and make everybody know who you are and what your ideas are, whether they want to or not. Right, right. Because everybody's comment on YouTube is important and special. Yeah. So I guess I'm that's that's probably the best case scenario for time travel to a for me. I mean, it's fun to think about and kind of wrap my brain around every once in a while, but my personal thought on time travel. You ready? Yes. Cuz I teased you with it earlier in the week. Mm. And it's not a it's not a very sound theory. But <laughs> um now my yeah, well my theory on time travel again like yours is not necessarily time travel per se, but imagine if every event ever in the history of the entire universe, everything that ever happened happened at the Big Bang. Everything. You and I sitting here having this conversation, the person yeah. who's downloading this podcast and listening to it, and the sinking of the Titanic, and the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, all these things all happened at the exact same moment during the Big Bang. And everything else is like a ripple effect, like an echo. And as as it moves through time and space, or space, uh, it just gets wider and wider and wider. And if we were to travel back in time, we could travel backwards into one of the other ripples that may or may not affect the ripple that we're in right now, if that makes any sense. I think I see what you're talking about. So like a, if you drop a, a pebble in a right. still pond and the waves that ripple out, you know, if they are all the same wave, you could go back to one of the previous waves from that original event. That's That's my theory. But it would be it would it be a different wave? Like, are you saying that if you went back <clears throat> to the original event, like all of time happened the way it happened because of the Big Bang? If you could go back to the Big Bang, would you see something different happen? If you if you could, yeah, you would change. It would be more like a another dimension. It would see, be. Yes, I agree. It would have to be another universe. Yes, it like every ripple is the same, but it's different, and those exactly. Those, <laughs> Those ripples are right. Well, I, by the same but different, I mean they're identical unless an event changes one of them. Right. You, my friend, have just said in a roundabout way what determinists believe. Yeah, we're going to get into free will, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there is no free will. There is no free will. Basically, I mean, the idea is that if you, you know, consider the universe as a, you know, a TV show, a movie, something like that, a progression, and you reround the tape back to the Big Bang, back to the instant that time started, and then let it play again, everything would happen exactly the same way it did happen the first time. Like, there's no way that, there's nothing, if you just, if if you had this ability to travel back and see it, but didn't affect anything, then nothing would change because everything happens exactly the way it has to happen, exactly the way it was always going to happen. But you did change something so if you had time travel and this is not exactly deterministic but this is (laughs) i think logical if you did go back and change something then you necessarily had to make an entire new universe to do that otherwise you couldn't have like you wouldn't be you you wouldn't have existed to change something if something was changed if that makes sense right it would be a paradox 
well, it would be the uh, the equivalent of time travel could not have been invented because the people that would have event- invented it would have come back in time and done something different unless they have. And this is the events we're experiencing because they did that. But do we be living in the new universe separate from the people that did change something? Like and this it, is what I was talking about at the beginning with me and my dad and my brother. Like, right. You cannot, if I wanted to just go back in time, something, do something innocuous, like go back and win the lottery, win, not, not even just something so inconsequential, like go back and leave my front door unlocked in the morning instead of lock it, even though nobody's going to break in, nothing's going to happen. It's just a, a little tumbler's turned in a lock. I would still have to create an entire new universe through that because if it wasn't that way the first time, then I've changed something. Right. And a new universe. There's a new. There's a still a version of me in that universe. There's a version of you. There's a version of everything. Everything else is, looks exactly like except for that one tiny minuscule change. But to make that change, you have to change. You have to have a whole new. This is like M theory. You know what I'm? You've heard this idea? I've heard the idea of M theory. Which is, it doesn't stand for multiverse, but that's what I think a lot of people think. It's Not a the whole. Theory I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But yeah, it's a quantum thing where I like Stephen Hawking talks about it, where multiple universes exist, you know, in a multiverse, that everything that can be different is different somewhere else. You know, something huge like the Nazis winning, which is mm-hmm. always a popular one. Well, to some people. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's always a dramatic one for fiction to cover. Yeah. I'm not endorsing the Nazis winning. Don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's popular Pop in like wise. alternative history books. Right, exactly. Harry Turtledove did a great, great book on, or a series of books on those types of alternative history. Right. Things. Yeah, he uh, he did a really good one about if the South won the Civil War. Yeah. And then what happens in when they fight World War One? And he yeah. did another one where aliens invade during World War Two, which I actually still liked, <laughs> as weird as it sounds. Well, of course it's aliens during. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, he, uh, yeah. So you go back and you you can. Like somewhere, some some universe, Hiller won. Also, somewhere in some universe, I stubbed my toe getting out of bed. And that's the only difference between the universes. There's a nearly infinite number of alternate universes right. for so, every little thing that can change. So you say nearly infinite. Why can't it be infinite? Because we live in a, there's an only a certain amount of matter in the universe. So that means there's only a certain combination of things that can happen. It's, to our limited understanding, might as well be infinite. I mean, you know, a breeze shifts slightly, new universe. Right. So nearly infinite, just not technically so, infinite. So infinity minus one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. So it's it's near infinite infinite. So it's not technically an omniverse, it's a multiverse. Right. Yeah, I think that would be right. Yeah. Depending on how you define om- omniverse, but I see what you mean. So yes, you, there's enough an ultiverse. Right. There's there's only what a would... finite number of combinations of things which is it would beggar the imagination. We wouldn't have enough, you know, space to write all the zeros for the combinations, you know, all that stuff. But it's technically would be finite, technically. Technically. So there is a universe out there where you're the president of the United States. Oh, see, I want to go to that one. Screw that. I don't want that job. Rule <laughs> with an iron fist. <laughs> there you go. I would I would run the country just exactly like I would SimCity. <laughs> just say I'm bored. Where's Godzilla going to attack? Yep. It's just turn on the... Turn on the tornadoes. I would I would set up a group of scientists and start running nuclear tests so I could get a giant lizard to attack New York just because Tokyo, one of the two. No, you're frozen on my end. I can't. Can you hear me? Uh, this is bad. I wonder if this is still recording. <laughs> if you can hear me, you're just smiling, frozen in time on my screen. Ooh, frozen in time. That's crazy. <laughs> of course, this happens now. Uh, refresh. Probably lose it. All right, here we go. You there? 
I'm here now. I can't see you though. Okay. I can't hear you. I'm sending the text even though you're still here. Oh, I um, uh, I was. What was that? That was my text. Oh. Can you see me? I uh, hold on a second. I cannot see you. Hold on. I can. I see your like icon picture. Oh, there we go. All right. Okay. Um, time after time. By the way, that's the movie I was thinking of. It's a Cindy yeah. Lauper's best song too. <laughs> 1979 time travel movie that is actually pretty good. Who's in it? Um, bunch of old British actors from the 70s. Mm-hmm. If that helps. Because I was doing this like moderate research when I was a couple hours ago, and there was this movie with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour that I've never mm-hmm. heard of. But people say it's supposed to be pretty good. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, okay, Superman. Superman and Doctor Quinn getting it on in the past. <laughs> I'd I'd watch that. I would watch anything where Jane Seymour's getting it on with somebody. She's hot. Axel Rose. Jane Seymour's getting it on with Axel Rose. Yeah. They were married, weren't they? Were they? I think they were married. I think she might be the November Rain inspiration. No, that, was, that wasn't her. Oh, inspiration, maybe. Yeah. I know it wasn't her, but hold on. Jane Seymour, right? Yeah, yeah. Jane Seymour. And I think he kicked the crap out of her. I think he abused her. Yeah, that sounds about right. Jane Seymour. No, Stephanie Seymour. <laughs> so close. Uh, I think he still beat the crap out of her anyway. Yeah, I think he has. As he was married to Stephanie Seymour. Disregard. Right. She may have been the actress in... She was a model, so she might have she, been the actress in November Rain. Yeah, that sounds about right. So time travel. What have we Maybe. covered? Let's recap. What have we covered? Omniverses, multiverses, Big movies. Bangs. Big Bangs. Uh, which movies do a good job? Which movies... Did okay, we do I, um, movies that don't do a good job? But anyway, go ahead. I was going to say, well, one that didn't do a good job that's recent. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Uh, Can you guess? One uh, that got picked apart pretty hardcore about. And it's not time travel to the past, per se. It's time travel to the future. It's got to be um, Denzel Washington out of time or something like that. No, I'm talking two years, maybe. Interstellar. Oh, Interstellar. Yes. I like love they that played movie. around with that was a good movie. I will agree with you all day long. But the scenes where um they go down the planet so with super high gravity. Yeah. What was it like licking the sides of a black hole or something like that? And they yeah. um, come back so to they, the ship the guy aged twenty years and they were just down there for like what, half hour or something? Yeah. That's it's like everything in the world, all the physicists in the world tell you technically, yeah, with huge gravity distortions, you'll have time distortions, but with gravity that crazy to distort time that much, they would have gotten squished like an ant within, you know, seconds. They right. would never have been able to live or move around it on the surface of the planet. Stretched you thinner than a strand of hair. Yeah, you would have been annihilated. Yeah. Especially like walking around for a half hour and coming back for twenty years. Yeah, there's no way. You'd never survive the gravity it took to do that. And then of course going into a black hole and seeing a crazy space library is pretty fanciful too, but Right. <laughs> but I mean there. it was it was good. I I didn't knock it for that. I my big problem with that movie was what the heck was they doing living right outside that NASA facility and not really knowing it. <clears throat> I don't remember. Yeah, I just like that. It was, that was a, kind of a huge coincidence, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a huge coincidence that they, oh, by the way, I know you used to be an astronaut and all, but you know, there's this facility here where we're building a spaceship that can go into outer space forever. Yeah. So, surprise. Surprise. But I think and you're going to be the one person that saves us. Yeah, I think one movie that did it well, the going to the future part of it, if I remember right, it's been a while since I've seen it, was Planet of the Apes. The Spoiler new one? Alert, no, the original. The original? The, child, the childhood has the one. Where it was a group of astronauts flying around a, strip, a ship at 
nearly the speed of light. Because mm-hmm. this is verified. They've done experiments on this where they've taken planes and put like had two wa- like atomic clocks or something like that. Yep. Two watches, something. And they flew it around at supersonic speeds, came back, landed, and checked the, the clocks and the times were different. Yep. Because the faster you move, the slower time feels for you. That's relativity. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, what you... of the Apes was all about. Ruined it. I was just going to gonna say it's just relative. It's all relative. It's all anyway. They, so, uh, yeah. Planet of the, the Apes. Apes. Apes took over, you know? So the lesson is don't go in space because Apes will take over. Right. And they'll bury your Statue of Liberty. And they'll make everybody stupid somehow. That wasn't Idi- explained. Idiocracy. It was a. It was an energy drink. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe Idiocracy is a prequel to Planet of the Apes. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fan theory for you. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, time travel is all over the place. I'm trying to think of some of the some of the better ones that are recent. You you got Interstellar, um, Primer. That's definitely something everybody should check out if something if a topic like this interests them. Yeah, if you didn't pause it before, now you can pause it. Now we'll stop hating you. <laughs> now that you're back, I and give you, know you this reprieve. Yes. <laughs> um, but what are some other things that people should check out? Well, let's see. I, I brought this up. Some of the best and worst time travel movies of all time. Time yeah. After Time. That's the one you were talking about then. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about from 79. Yeah. Where he goes back to see Jack the Ripper. Yes, that's what it is. Mary yeah, Steen Virgin's in it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jack the Ripper goes back into... Or he, he goes ahead in time. He Jack the Ripper comes yeah, okay. modern times. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they go forward. They come to like New York or something. Yeah. At least according to this. Okay, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now... Best time travel movie of all time. It's got to be up there. Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Yep. <laughs> God, that movie's great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's such a good movie, and it made absolutely zero sense to me. No, it was, it was Terry Gilliam. It was completely ridiculous. Yeah, I know. It's great. But it had British midget, midgets and Sean Connery. I mean, how can you go wrong? Right. As one does. Uh, let's see. So you're looking at, um, I'm still looking at Stephanie Seymour. Ooh. Just because. Well, I mean, Axl Rose, November Rain. Yeah, I think mandatory uh, to watch that at least once a month or so. Um, Superman. You know, funny thing about Superman, everybody assumes he does one thing that it's actually not what people are assuming. Like, you know what I'm, you got to know what I'm talking about, the actual time travel scene. Where he turns the world backwards. But he does not turn the world backwards. Huh? Oh, oh, I'm going to uh, blow your mind. Okay. I think Richard Donner said this when he was talking about the movies. Like, everybody gets this wrong. Everybody thinks he flies around the world and the force of his super speed or something like that actually reverses the rotation of the earth. And that's okay. what changes time. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, it's just supposed to be a visual representation that he's flying so fast that he's going back in time and that we're just watching time reverse, that he's not physically moving the earth backwards because somehow moving the earth backwards is going to move time backwards. It's just Superman by himself is going back to the past and the world's turning the other way. It's just a visual representation of time going backwards. Still don't like it. I, I think <laughs> I appreciate it's it's freaking ridiculous that if I reverse rotation of the earth, time goes backwards. That never made sense to me. Even as a kid, I was like, why would all that would happen is people would fly off the planet or something. That's not that's dumb. Right. Yeah, I don't in fact, I don't like nothing would happen. It would just be dumb. Yeah. It'd be ten AM and then ten AM again. <laughs> I don't know. Much like daylight savings time is about to be midnight and midnight again. Which I still can't believe I didn't know it was coming. <laughs> well, well I was gonna be really upset the morning when I woke up, I'm not gonna lie. After this podcast 
you can get in your time machine and go back to back to tell yourself. Go punch FDR in the face for me. Wait, was it FDR? Whoever it, made he, well, David punch him in the face me. anyway. Even if it wasn't him, punch him in the face. Maybe it was Brent Franklin. I have to really go back there. No, it can't. It didn't go that far, did it? Probably. There's no way. Ben Franklin. Well, it was originally designed so people had more time to work. Is that correct? The crops. Yeah, so some about uh, farmers. So farmers. I don't know. My everything was about farmers back then. So my public education history books were probably trash. Well, my private education didn't help me too much either. So I should Ben know Franklin was known for flying the kite and getting electrocuted. <laughs> I think that's what happened. Ben Franklin got electrocuted. Said, "You know, fuck this. It was at night. <laughs> I need more daylight." Okay. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten electrocuted. I'm gonna set the scene. Ben Franklin on a hilltop during a thunderstorm flies his kite into the air, lightning strikes it, comes down to the key that he's hanging off at. That key is electrified and makes him travel through time. <gasps> and, the, <laughs> and the key is a magic key that can open up a safe that is behind Mount Rushmore, and there's a big treasure there. There's a Nick Cage movie in here somewhere I I need to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's gone gone in 120 seconds. <laughs> Gone in the year of our Lord, seventeen sixty. <laughs> oh, he was such a womanizer. Anyway, he liked banging French hookers. That's what probably happened. He got electrocuted. It's one of those Phineas Gage's things. He got electrocuted, changed his brain chemistry. Boom, French hookers all day, every day. And you say that like it's a bad thing. Well, I mean, for the American hookers, not good enough for him. It's not very patriotic. I, I think. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, all right. <laughs> Or maybe he had an STD and he was like going over there and spreading. Ah. That was that was like uh, STD warfare. <laughs> Although the French were our allies back then, so that's kind of a maybe it's preemptive. Were they? Were they really? <laughs> were they really? Not in this reality. Not in this parallel dimension. No. The French, yes. The French were our enemy. This we, is an awesome movie. We declared yes. We declared independence from the French, and then Ben Franklin started mucking about in time, and also King George was the bad guy, when he used to be our... It's a tragedy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a tearjerker. I can feel it. So the the lightning strikes the key that burns an imprint in his hand, and so he has to travel through time finding somebody that can recreate the image of the key that's burned on his hand. And it's only the French ambassador, so he has to change time. So the French are our allies instead of our enemies. Yes. And, and bang their hookers. Right. Well, I mean, that's... I mean, well, has, Right. <laughs> and he says, yeah. well, I'm here. I mean, sadly enough, that's probably something that we could pitch to some production company in Hollywood. Oh, uh, yeah. Watch out. Summer 2018. It's coming. Ben Franklin and the French hooker <laughs> fucker. Yes. <laughs> I'd go see it. I'm seeing it right now in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take a minute. I'll be back in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in my bunk. I'll be in my bunker. I am in the bunker. Okay, so can we wrap up time travel? I feel like there was one thing I'm forgetting to say that I was going to say. What do you think What do you think the best movie is for time travel? That's a serious movie. Besides, besides Primer, I know we established that, but like a more readily accessible, popular movie, what do you say is the best one? Popular one? Well... For comedies, I love Hot Tub Time Machine simply because <laughs> it goes back to the 80s and I am an 80s nerd. So I love Hot Tub Time Machine that way. However, if you're going to if you're going to make me pick a favorite, <coughs> I'd have to go back to 
the final countdown where the aircraft carrier goes back in time and the F-14 Tomcats have to fight uh, Japanese uh, Zeros. I know what one you're talking about. I remember seeing advertisements for it on Yeah, it's the final like, countdown. TV Not the film. A kid. And I was about to, yeah, I was going to say, you mean the Philadelphia Experiment? But you the real, I know which one you're talking about. The real conspiracy was called the Philadelphia Experiment. However, they made a movie about it. That was still called oh. the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, because well, that was on one of the lists. That had the uh, girl from RoboCop. She was in it. Right. Same but different. There's an there's an actual event that happened called the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, uh, the actual event. Yes. Yeah. I'm saying, sure. listen, <laughs> that, see, Dana Scully, you need yeah, to I just know, believe <laughs> just, just, that wanna, when they... I want to believe. When they transported themselves, they were men that were just in the hull of the ship. They had been burned into the hull of the ship. All verified and documented with yes, easily accessible proof. Yeah, I want to believe. It's all there, I'm sure. <laughs> well, the actual conspiracy event was the Philadelphia Experiment. However, the movie that, I guess, takes the conspiracy event and makes it into a movie that's the philadelphia that's uh the final countdown no no that was still the philadelphia experiment i'm telling you the name of the movie is the philadelphia experiment i think because the, the i never saw it but the one you're talking about with the with the jets they go back to world war ii don't they yeah they go the attack they an aircraft carrier travels through time to the attack on pearl harbor and they have a moral dilemma on whether or not that right. they engaged their F-14 Tomcats with these Japanese Zeros. And In the I, Philadelphia experiment, they go from World War II to modern, well, to 80s time. Oh, well, I'm talking about... The guy about, goes forward, yeah. That's the Philadelphia experiment. And I'm talking about the final countdown. Right. Which is a... Different movie. 1980, I think. If so, I had to guess, I'd say that was a 1980s... Oh, 1980 final countdown. It's one of the Sheens. Martin so Sheen. Now, I think Every Mark. time you say that, I just keep thinking of George Bluth. No. <laughs> Joe, George, George Michael. George Bluth. Joe Bluth. Joe Bluth. Sorry. Man, I should give away my uh, Arrested Development bona fides here. <laughs> Joe Bluth. I'm sorry. I messed that one up. Job. Final countdown. Uh, let me see. The final doo, countdown. Doo, doo. Let's, let's get there. Let's, uh, Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen. Uh, let's see. A time warp takes the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz and its captain back to Pearl Harbor, December 6, 1941. Right. That's my that's my pick for a time travel movie. See, now, I got a pick for a time travel movie that I will, maybe rightly so, but definitely get mountains of shit for. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, and I think it was a kind of profound movie, was The Butterfly Experiment. Oh. Or The Butterfly Effect. Sorry. Yeah. Totally, completely. I'm on board. I like that movie. I did like it a lot. Your, but I mean, this, this gets one caveat. Oh, one ca- I have to, I have to say this: the director's cut versus the theatrical cut. Yeah, the director's cut where he goes back in time to the womb and where he strangles himself. himself. <laughs> yes, yeah. that 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 would have been a better ending. Yeah, the theatrical version is stupid. Yeah, there's um. So if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, it's an Ashton Kutcher movie where he has a weird ability that he can, if he reads his diary, he can go back to the moment. He can transfer his consciousness. Right? He he gives himself a seizure. Sort of, yeah. I mean, he's like, when he goes back in time, I think in one scene they describe it as jamming 
you know, 20 years worth of memories into all at once into a brain. Like anybody would know what the effect of that actually is, but it gives him like a nosebleed and brain damage and all that crap. But he, he transports his conscious back to the point that he was talking about his diary. And then he just keeps trying to change things. Okay, this screwed up. I got to change things. If that screwed up. I got to change this. It's the butterfly effect because you never know what the consequences of something you change are. Like it ripples and expands. And this is what I think the heart of why we are so fascinated by time travel is. The idea that we could be able to go back potentially and fix our mistakes. Everybody has that dream, right? Or man, if I could just go back to when I was 10, when I was 15, when I was that one point when I, you know, broke up with that girl and I should never have done that. When I told that guy that I wasn't going to take the job because I thought there was a better one out there, you know, whatever the case may be. That's, that's to some degree, the backbone of nostalgia. That's everything. Yes. It's all time. And that's what time travel, that's why we're fascinated. The physics of it, if you're a certain type of person like me, you find very interesting, but that's not why, that's not the emotional draw. The butterfly effect has all of that. And it has why it's probably a really bad idea because we don't have near enough knowledge to know the consequences and the branching cause and effect lattice work that comes from every single instance of what we do. So if we change one thing, what the exponential effects are going to be for everything else. Well, we don't know any of that. One of the things that trips up that movie to some degree, I, I think it's at least worth thinking about, is so he can read his diary, go back in time. And when I say back in time, he basically transports himself to a point in time where he can change something. However, he takes his memories with him. So he's... To, it's that's hard for me to get past that like you're traveling through time along with your memories so he even well, he's goes, never actually physically traveling through time though just his memories just his consciousness yeah just his consciousness is traveling back in time which i think is good because that gets rid of a lot of the problems of space travel at the same right. time so your physical body doesn't have to it go. makes and, sense it's like what we're talking about with primer if you have an anchor point you can travel back to the anchor point that's all he's doing he's got all these anchor points which are where he existed at this certain point he can use the diary to say okay you know in june 6 1985 i was doing this and i can travel back to that point like he's got all these series of anchor points he's not physically traveling back in time so it's gets rid of the, the whole moving through space thing right so there aren't two of you in time right there's no duplicates it's just and while he's like his adult self <laughs> appears in his like i don't know 10 year old self's body right his 10 year old self is gone he's like because his whole life is like, oh, I'm having these blackouts at weird times. Well, these blackouts was when his future self was taking over his body. Right. That's an interesting concept. I think I, I enjoyed it. I thought that was really well done. And it turns out his father could have the same ability. He just looked at old video, old movies of his like home movies and stuff. It was the same weird superpower that he had. Mm-hmm. And his father realized what was happening at one point and tried to kill him because he knew that, oh, my God, you're you're going to have you're going to screw things up. You're probably going to kill a lot of people or ruin people's lives or something like that. Lose your arms. <laughs> Lose your arms. Your girl is going to be a whore or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Never get with that girl you want. So you might as well go back in time and just strangle yourself in the womb. Yeah. And that's the ultimate. Like, there was a throwaway scene where the mom's talking about how she kept having miscarriages. And he was like her one miracle baby. And then the alternate director's cut ending was him going back to when he was in the womb, which doesn't make a lot of sense because how much brain capacity does a fetus have, but still, whatever. And he like killed himself in the womb. The implication being all his dead ghost siblings were the same way as he was and came to the same conclusion at some point that we all need to kill ourselves in the womb. Right. Over and over and over and over again. Yep. That's that's actually a pretty decent ending. That's a weird twist ending that I can get behind. Well, it, it has to be that ending because can you reveal to everybody what the theatrical ending was? Yeah, the theatrical ending was bullshit. 
he just it all revolves around his hot girlfriend amy smart who uh he kind of like wants to get with but keeps screwing it up in some way shape or form and he realizes all the problems that he keeps messing that that keep happening are because he keeps trying to get with her and make her life better make his life with her better so he just finally goes back to when he's a kid tells her basically fuck off (laughs) yeah like i hate you or something like that well so she cries and runs away and gets wherever gets away from her abusive pedophile dad and don't they pass each other on the street and they look at each then, other like, I know you. Hmm. Well, he knows her because he, he remembers everything he did. Right. But she doesn't know him because she left when she was a kid. And he's got a better life. She's got a better life. They just don't have a better life together. So it's a little poignant, but not nearly as Blech. impactful as. Aborting yourself. Fun fact, the pedophile dad is Eric Stoltz, who was... In Back to the Future, but miscast, and then yeah. they refilmed everything. <laughs> the original Marty was Eric Stoltz. Yes. He had to set up for being pedophile dad in a different time, time travel movie. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see. And then stabbing him with Thurman in the heart, which is pretty cool. Right. So he, he, he made out. <laughs> so your, your film is The Butterfly, Butterfly Effect. Effect. Which I can get on board with. Great movie. Mine is a ridiculous action film from the 80s, which... Might also be a great movie. I just have never seen it. It's good. I will trust you. Of course, I haven't seen it in ages. Since the I, 80s. <laughs> well, I have, I'm have. i sure I have it on DVD. Um, probably in really shitty form, but, you know, not fitted for the screen and, you know... No letterbox. Made for square TVs. Square TVs are for square people, man. That's right. I have one sitting in front of me right now. <laughs> it's technically a monitor, but can be used as a TV. So let's um let's wrap up time travel. All right. Let's turn to the future. Have we done it justice? I think so. Okay. In the end, time travel to the past is bullshit. I'm sorry. It is. What is time? Is. Time is sequence. One thing happens is the label we put on motion. And you can't reverse that. All you can do is travel to another universe. Done. My dad and my brother are wrong. I am right. Boom. <laughs> All right. I'll get behind you on that. All right. All right. So let's talk about a couple of up- upcoming things that we're going to do. We're going to have a new segment. I believe we called it the Legacy Vault. The Legacy Vault. Where we're going to bring up, I'll bring a movie and Steve will bring a movie. Not We're going to hash it out. Bring it up and we'll hash it out for what goes into the Legacy Vault. Where it's unassailable. Like once, once, once we've figured out which one deserves its place, we will say that you cannot criticize or tear down or sh- generally shit on this movie forever. And I believe it will be a law someday that <laughs> will be retroactively applied to what we decide. That Well, we'll go through time and we'll, we'll apply it we, we at an earlier it. time. Um, well, if you go back to our first podcast and we talk about lists a lot, we talk about some some movies that are legacy movies that are they we don't put them number one on our list because they're kind of above being put on a list. You feel like trying to poke at them is blasphemy. Yeah, like of course Star Wars is number one on the list, but you can't list that because it's it's above the list. Yeah, it's its own thing. It's a category above and beyond. Yeah. So it's a legacy vault category. Yes. <laughs> So there are movies that will go into the Legacy Vault that that deserve to be in the Legacy Vault. And once they're in the Legacy Vault, they they don't they don't need a list. They're just great movies. You just you look at it and say yes, it is yeah, there. It's there. It's like you really want me to put aliens on a list? Aliens is its own list. Yes. 
or will it be if we have to hash it out, maybe something will beat it. Right. So having said that, I think what we decided was we're going to say what movies this week, but we're not going to hash it out till next week. At least the first round or the first yeah. pair. Yeah. So we'll we'll come back with that next week. Well, did you want to have a movie just to tantalize? Oh, oh that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You just said that. I was, <laughs> I was looking over at my phone telling me that I've just time traveled. Already? What time is I'm it? I'm in another dimension. We are not on the same plane anymore. Nope. Nope clock still says twelve seventeen. yeah you don't really the time change doesn't take effect until like 2 a.m or something yeah yeah right? something Stupid like that daylight savings though. what the hell was my phone telling me then <gasps> maybe my phone went in time came back siri siri's about to tell you some wisdom siri lay some knowledge on you winning lottery numbers <laughs> siri does the world exist tomorrow oh god uh... does the universe exist today <gasps> dun, dun, dun. oh my god but, okay so I'm gonna. I'll kick things off. Okay. I will put Pulp Fiction up as my movie to go into the Legacy Vault. See, this is gonna be interesting because my pick is not even. <laughs> you wouldn't even put it in the same category. A few good men. Okay. Yeah. I think. I think that those two could go up against each other. They're both dramatic. I'll give them that. Yeah. They. I would call them both dramas. Just one's a little yeah. bit. Well, it's non-traditional. Where a few good men started. I think. I think that started out as a, a play. Did it? Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think, yeah, I think that started out as somewhere. a play, turned into a movie, um, huge, powerful actors in it. It was, uh, I think one of the things, I, I know we will get into this next week, but I think Pulp Fiction was just ahead of its time. I think it time traveled. And I think A Few Good Men was a genre-breaking crossover movie. But like, <laughs> like you said, we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll bring it. We'll we'll bring it next week. We'll bring the noise and the funk. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't bring much funk. I, I'm all funk. You're a hundred percent. You can. You're a hundred percent funk. I'm a hundred percent YOLO. That's what <laughs> makes together. It's together, a psychedelic thrill ride. Weird Mulder and Scully. Mold Bob Scully. All right. <laughs> okay, let's do, let's get some trivia out of the way here. Get some trivia. You want me to go first this time? I think yeah. I'll go first most of the time. Okay, so go I'll ahead. go first this time. Yep. All right, this one I I keep steering into the same ter- 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 I keep steering into the same kind of territory. Okay. Whereas I saw this the other day just randomly perusing Rolling Stone, I don't know when, I think fairly recently had a list of the top 100 guitarists. Okay. Of all time. I'm going to see if you can name at least two out of the top 5. Two out of the top five. Now, and this is not the Rolling Stone staff coming up with this. They actually asked famous guitarists to oh. compile this list. Like they had guys like, um, you know, blah, Chuck Berry names because I think the names of the people that compiled the list are also on the list. So I'm not going <laughs> to say anything. <laughs> uh, okay, so I need to name two out of the top five. Two out of the top five. Let's see if you can get it. Um, I'm going to start things off with Eric Clapton. Number two. Boom. Dun dun dun. So that leaves the number one. Survey says. Hmm. Ah, uh, who would who could possibly I, be? Once I say it, I'm gonna say it's gonna probably be pretty obvious. If you don't catch it, that's understandable. But when I say it, you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, okay, I got you." Who the number one is? Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. I've got a couple choices here, but the ones that are really coming to mind right this second are probably on the list, but I doubt they're in the top five. Okay. So this isn't one of my guesses for the top five. I'm just I have to say it to get it out of my head. Slash. Mm-hmm. See, and I expected him to be, and maybe this is my bias showing, but I thought he was going to be top five too, but no, he's not. No, I, I knew he wouldn't be top five. Right. I knew that was not my guess. I needed to get his name out of my mouth, head. 
out of my mouth about, head. Damn mouth head. Um, okay. Caught up. I'm putting some thought into this here because yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some classic guitar. Like, See, I had this discussion with somebody at work years ago when we were working in Master Control. So as one does in Master Control, you have philosophical discussions. Yeah. And we both came to the conclusion that the greatest guitarist of all time is probably some obscure blues guy mm-hmm. back in like the 1940s or 30s or something like that. And if you're a super fan, you probably heard of, but the larger world probably hasn't. Mm-hmm. So this is like popular, a lot of radio play, sold a lot of albums, guitarists. Like Elvis Presley. Was he a guitarist? Uh, he played the guitar, but he... Yeah, but he's but not... But somebody huge. Yeah, somebody that reached the masses. Except for uh, number five, who I have absolutely, personally never heard of. Okay. But if you're a real, like, audiophile guy, you're gonna... You probably would have known him. Is this, It's really bothering me that I can't come up with this guy's name. And mm-hmm. uh, the one that I want to say is... Ah, oh God, he's the... Uh, Keith Richards. <gasps> number four. All right. I got two out of the top five. Who's number one? It's plaguing me. Jimi Hendrix. Oh, wow. Jesus. Exactly. Like I said, as soon as I said, you're like, okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix, number one. Eric Clapton, number two. Jimmy Page, number three. Yep. I was, Jimmy Page was on my radar. I was going to say him next. Yeah. If, if I didn't get it on that one. But anyway. Keith Richards was number four. And then Jeff Beck, number five. I never heard of him. He was a guitarist for the Yardbirds, yeah, and then a bunch of other stuff. But I guess he got famous with the Yardbirds, which yeah. I have heard of. But Keith Richards, I so thoroughly disagree with. I'm not gonna say he's a bad guitar player, but I hate the Rolling Stones. You hate the Rolling Stones? I hate the Rolling. Like Paint It Black is about the only <laughs> Rolling Stones song I like. I think they're maybe the most overrated band in the history of rock and roll. Yeah, I like it. If everybody has that debate, oh, the, the Beatles or the Stones? The Beatles, hands down, every day of the week. See, I'm not a Beatles fan. I'm not a huge. I'm not. Well, I, I mean, certainly can't take anything away from the Beatles because they created a, an entire or multiple genres with yeah. their music, and their music has been redone over and over and over in different ways. And probably my mother would hate me to say that I'm just not a Beatles fan. She's a she <laughs> was there for the beginning and probably right. invented the Beatles. But anyway, see, I grew up uh, with the Beatles, but I also grew up with the Stones, and I freaking hate the Stones. I prefer the Stones over the Beatles, but I am not a huge like I love the Stones hits. Yeah. I am certainly not one of those deep cut guys that like I I I have two of their albums and. I I wouldn't listen to the entire album. I would listen right. to the the hits. So I know my father in law is a, a pretty big Rolling Stone fan. So yeah. I'm sure it would be blasphemy if I just sat here and said that. <laughs> Don't sit on the Stones. No, they're I I like them. I I remember them becoming synonymous with uh, like Vietnam and and a lot of the well, like Paint Black. Yeah, Painted Black was the theme song for Tour of Duty that right. show, and. Um, and there's one other song that I can get behind, and I never remember the name of it. But I remember it played during the um, when The Departed came out. It was always on the previews. Man, I can't remember the name of that song. They've got some really good stuff. Uh, Satisfaction. Shout away. No. Satisfaction. Never liked. Really? Never liked at all. Bam, bam, I just bam, bam, I always considered them very simplistic, not very complex, not very rich sounding. I don't know. Just all, totally overhyped. What I will say, it, it wasn't in the top five that I think is a tragedy, is David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Yeah. That, I think, was a tragedy. It was not in the top five. He, he should have at least edged out Jeff Beck, whoever the hell that is. 
Yeah, I I suppose probably Jeff Beck has done some stuff that I think he there. was in the top ten. Chuck Berry was in the top ten. I remember that. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I I I was not a guitar player ever in my life, so I'm that doesn't it's not that i don't know guitar players but like i know the guitar players of the of the bands that i really really enjoy other than yeah. that i mean i know famous names and yeah. I, I can and that's what that. this list was all about was yeah. the guys that although i will say this before we should move on to your question but i want to say one last thing if you want to see somebody that's an amazing guitar player go to youtube check out john butler John Butler Trio, mm-hmm. John Butler Oceans. The guy plays by himself a twelve string guitar, and it's you sound, it sounds like at least three people are playing at the same time. It's amazing. Yeah, there's um, it's a bunch of people that play like acoustic stuff on uh, on YouTube that like also play the drums. They do this slap slap bass slap drum uh, acoustic thing. There's Homer Simpson uh, did that in an episode where he went to New York City. What didn't Homer Simpson do? This is, is how we tie up. <laughs> Is is there a list of things that, things Homer, that Homer didn't do that he didn't do? Because it's a pretty small list. Be, sure. That would be a, a much easier list to work with than things he did do. So yeah. Okay. My trivia question. So there is uh, a thing, and as soon as I say it, you're gonna know what I'm talking about. But it is a an actor's or actress for that matter, but somebody in the arts that does acting. They there is a website called Box Office Mojo that I I frequent all the time. I love it. I can't get enough of it, and I think everybody should go there and check it out. Boxofficemojo.com. Pause, they, pause the podcast and go go check it out. They uh, compiled a list of the top grossing actors and actresses. So top grossing, okay. Top grossing. So all this actors' films, their gross added up. Top ten list, I suppose. Uh, this isn't my trivia question. Do you have an idea who the number one grossing actor is? You know, I have a name that popped in my head. I'm probably wrong. Well, there was, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There was somebody that was number one for the longest time and they've been, uh, ousted to number Mm. two. Okay. Don't judge me. I'm not going to judge me, but I'm going to say this name. And this is not the trivia question, but okay. Okay. Adam Sandler. <laughs> I'm not saying good, but I'm saying grossly because the guy okay. does a thousand movies. Yes, and you have the right idea. You, okay, that that is absolutely 110 percent the right idea. It's so this actor's uh, all their films added up. It doesn't matter if they've got one film or a thousand films. The gross of all their films added up. Number one, mm-hmm. who is a, a fairly new number one, uh, is our very own Han Solo. Ah, Harrison Ford. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I can. Samuel L. Jackson was number one forever. And Harrison Ford, I would have thought it would be the reverse. Like Harrison Ford would have been number one, then Samuel L. Jackson and Agent Mouth. No, Samuel L. Jackson. Huh. But, I mean, you take Samuel L. Jackson's films, and it, I, it's also adjusted for inflation, too. So, I mean, you have to yeah, well, take into consideration. like Because Samuel L. Jackson does appear in a Star Wars film, a couple of them. Three of them. Is he in the third one? Is that when he dies? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. He... Dun, dun, dun. He's Snoke. Oh, he's Snoke. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Mace Windu is Snoke. Uh, revenge. So now that you get the gist, now you, okay. now that you get the... Uh, it's quali- quantity over quality. <laughs> well, to some degree, it's definitely, for the most part, quantity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so now you go one through 100. Let's just sure. say the, the first 100, top, top 100 actors... Uh, what number is the first female? Oh, wow. I bet it's down there. I bet it's out of 100. Well, 
let's let's say out of twenty. Like okay, like a hundred was putting it that was disguising it as something a little bit more sinister than it really is. Mm. But say, so the first female, like the first one to appear on the list, or the highest grossing female. The highest grossing female, the first, the first female to appear on the list in order. Mm-hmm. What number? What what place? What number? What place? And okay, let's put it this way. I'll I'll give it to you this way. What actress? Bonus <laughs> for what number? Ah, oh, jeez, actress. This is a sad statement on American <laughs> cinema. I think gender I equality. Great. I know, right? Um, uh, it it is absolutely lopsided and. I'm not a one of those feminist, you know, jackpots that there's like you've got to create a female film just because there's a male film. I just artificially I, I, make I believe, one right. I believe the art will dictate, you know, Re- remove all gender. the roadblocks and let it. And once you do, you will have good ones. But right, gender, race, all those types of yeah. things would be ironed out if you didn't force the issue. But anyway, right? Okay, so, um, geez, I want to say like. Like, I think it's going to surprise you. Helena Bottom Carter or something like that. Mm. But I think she's just like, she. yeah, she would be high grossly. I think she's one of the better actresses out there, at least. Meryl Streep? Nope. Value, maybe. Man. Ooh, okay, I got you. Drew Barrymore. No. Ah. Good guess, though. So cool. Um, um, let, let's see. I, uh, I'll look this up. Cameron Diaz. No. Damn. Okay, let, <laughs> number 50. <laughs> would it be... Com- Completely sexist of me if I said that she is sexy as hell. Well, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz. I haven't yeah, seen. I mean, uh, huh. it's also kind of redundant because, also, sad fact, you're probably not going to make it very far in Hollywood unless you were at least sexy at one time <laughs> as a woman. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Jane Seymour, <laughs> uh, Stephanie Seymour, Stephanie and Jane together. That's a movie I want to see. Beating the crap out of Axl Rose, doing something. Give up. I give up. I yeah, I got nothing. Scarlett Johansson comes in. Oh my at god. Number ten. How with did I not see that? Three point three billion dollars. Yeah, just the Marvel movies by themselves. That I yep. kick at myself that I did not see that. But I mean, then you take Samuel L. Jackson, all the Avengers, Star Wars, you know, he does fairly well. A snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. Motherfucking snakes. Yeah. I like I actually did like that movie. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> I, mean, and I, I wish I'm I not had. gonna. I'm not gonna say go run and watch it, but yeah, it was entertaining. There were, were there were there snakes? There was a couple. There was one or two. And there was a plane. There was a, the best part of that. The whole uh, the best story I know about that movie is how when the internet got a hold of just the idea that Samuel Jackson was going to be a movie called Snakes on the Plane, and they knew nothing else about it. Right. So making mock trailers and stuff, where it said we got to get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane. It became so popular that they shoehorned a scene in. They reshot Sam Jackson saying that so they could put it in the movie and satisfy everybody. Like, and it's obvious that it's a shoehorned reshoot. Right. When you're watching it, too. It's funny, so. <laughs> uh, just for shits and giggles, you were pretty close to the mark with Cameron Diaz. Oh, she yeah. is She is the next highest grossing female. Ah, so, okay, I was there. She's number two female, but she's 19th overall. So you have... What, was, what position was Scott Johansson in? 10. Okay. So, I mean, certainly not equal in pay, but... <laughs> It it that wasn't based on salary so much as it was how much a film grossed. Let me ask you something. Do you remember the first movie you saw with Scarlett Johansson in it? 
Was she? No, she wasn't in the one with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And to be honest, I I couldn't tell you the first one. I think it's probably not her first movie, but the first one I saw, Eight Legged Freaks, giant spider movie. I did see Eight Legged Freaks, but I don't remember her being in it. So I would have uh, to. She's Carrie Wurr, however you pronounce her name. Also hot. Yeah, she plays her daughter. Yeah. I got to go to the the internet to see. (laughs) Internet time. Internet. Let's see. She's been in a bunch of stinkers, too. Oh, God. Ghost World. That was an older one she was in, too. That wasn't actually so bad. Thora Birch and Steve Buscemi. Ooh, The Island. Certainly not the first, but... That's not the first, but... Underrated. I actually thought The Island was pretty good. I loved that movie. Also Steve Buscemi. Hey, how about that? Home Alone 3. (laughs) All right, yeah. Can't claim to have ever seen that one, so... Eight-Legged Freaks 2002. Yeah. She might have been underage at that point. Because I remember feeling somewhat creepy going, hey, I was not. So I, I remember thinking, she's pretty hot. She's also kind of young. So maybe I should stop saying that. Just Cause, 1995. Again, don't remember in it, but I like that movie. I don't know what that one is. It is Sean Connery and uh, Lawrence Ray. Fishburne, Kate Capshaw, hmm. Ed Harris. Um... Harvard professor opposed to capital punishment is proceeded to go to Florida and investigate the conviction of Bobby Earl Ferguson for murder. Yeah, murder was the case. Bobby Earl Ferguson. I bet he's from like the Hamptons or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not the trailer <laughs> park in Florida. Nah. If you're introduced by all three of your names and your middle name is Earl, <sighs> just saying. You are going to get stereotyped and rightfully so. <laughs> If your name's Bobby Earl, for anybody that's listening, name's Bobby Earl. Sorry, you know what you are, and you cannot argue with us. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Not uh, so. What else we got? We got anything else? I think uh, my well is dry. Yeah, we covered. Next week we're gonna do some travel. legacy vault stuff. We didn't talk about what we're doing right now. I'm still I'm I'm an octillionaire in my eggs ink game, and I'm still. I know you've got a convert to your ways, but I will not. I, I've I've made a vow that I can't get into another. <laughs> I have two addicting. Oh my god! Disciples. I've got a small following. You got two Egberts. And the next thing you know, it's going to no, spread. No, it's going to spread. I'm not doing it. I'll be the last <laughs> man on. I'll be the Lamo of <laughs> of egg poking or whatever the hell you're doing. Egg eggs ink. Egg Cre- creating eggs. Um, I am playing the shit out of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Hmm. And I can see all those Skyrim games and Mass Effect and all those other games that are like huge worlds that you have to navigate through. And I can see the appeal, and I Actually, never... It's not so much Mass Effect. At least no. not the ones so far. The new ones it, coming out that might be like that. I don't know. But, okay, so like the uh, Grand Theft Autos and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skyrim, Fallout. Yeah, I never... I haven't played those types of games. So this is pretty new for me i it's probably a old and tired concept for some people but no it's again, the best concept see if you're a video game purist sometime in the i want to say early aughts rpgs diverged because up until that the japanese were the kings of all rpgs mm-hmm. but the japanese style is very linear it's what you consider dungeon town dungeon you start off or town dungeon town something you start yep. off in a place and then you have your challenge area, your dungeon. You go through that, you get a few items, you level up. Then you come to a town where you can go to an inn, you buy new things, you 
you know, you explore, you talk to some townspeople, get your quest, then you go back to another dungeon. It's very linear. If you replayed it, you do all the same things again. Mm -hmm. And then somebody can, I couldn't even tell you the first one, but the wide open world concept where you start off in a place and then you can go left, right, up, down, wherever you want to go right off the bat. And then you have a main storyline you can follow, but you can just, you can go anywhere you want, utter freedom. You can walk from one end to another fight a wolf and then keep on going down the road and find an ogre and then keep on going and there's a dragon you know something like that where you can do whatever you want and in my mind that's so vastly superior to the linear yeah you must go where we tell you to go well i'll say just by delving into zelda breath of the wild um there's way more side quests the main quest almost looks like it's you know that's where you get the skills to learn how to do everything to go do all the side quests. Yeah, and that's most of these games. The side quests is what's really fleshed out. Yeah, it. That's uh, what you want to be able to do. They also are. They took a lot of flack for the downloadable content that they're going to be offering for twenty bucks. Um, I think it's probably going to be worth it. Uh, See, I don't disagree with downloadable content. A lot of people get pissed off about that, but I figure if you have a good solid core game that nobody's forcing you to buy the DLCs. You can you can say, you know what, I like this, and I'm good with it, I'm going to walk away. Or you can say, you know what, I want more, and I'm going to pay 5 10 even $20 bucks for the, a little bit more. They, they didn't roll it out right. They, they came out saying that they're going to do downloadable content for a game that hadn't even been released yet, and the, the release price was $60 mm-hmm. for a game that was made for a console that hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, you could get the Wii U version, which I did, and subsequently have read everything saying that there's no difference between the two. Yeah. Um, the frame rate drops a little bit when there's a ton of stuff on the screen, but it's really nothing that's noticeable. So I'm pretty happy with that, but they came out with this statement saying there's going to be downloadable content. For These people hadn't even put it in their console yet. They didn't even know what to expect, so there was a lot of criticism, but then after the fact, they came out with a statement saying that the developers and these game designers were so upset that they had built this gigantic world, this gigantic open world, and you were probably only going to see a tiny percentage of it if you played mm-hmm. just the game that they put out. I'm sure the developers thought that they probably could have spent another two years on it and come up with you know, tons of content. So that's that's basically the reasoning is they didn't want you to leave the the Zelda universe because they'd spent so t- so much time with it because you can right. you can if you can see it if you can see it you can go to it it is huge it is <laughs> just and I don't know how big Skyrim is I don't know how big like World of Warcraft is I don't know how big some of these games are but honestly this is the biggest game I've ever played you start off in this tiny little area and that tiny little area is already it's gigantic so. <laughs> As you go through the game, you unlock different parts of the map and you, you have to, you know, go to different places. But traveling, they they made this system where you can, like, hyper-travel between places. And if you couldn't do that, it would just take absolutely forever to play just that game. Just to walk it, like, if you're traveling the actual distance. Yeah, and yeah. You, you can... Um, you can tame horses. So if you find a wild horse and you tame it, then you can ride it, you know, to where you need to go. And eventually you can board that horse at a stable and get saddles for it and bridles for it you can get more elaborate armored stuff you can you can do all kinds of stuff with that horse and 
<laughs> you know, I spent I spent probably two hours today finding horses and I got I tamed three horses. And it's so like you have to build a rapport with the horse and the horse has to trust you and the horse has different attributes with speed and strength mm-hmm. and stamina. And so you have to find a horse, you have to tame it, and the, the way to tame it is to just jump on its back, you soothe it, there's a button you push that you soothe the horse, and then can, you can feed apples. And I Can just, I just say one thing? Yeah. Um, I think the internet has ruined me, because as you're talking about this horse, the only thing I'm thinking of is somebody somewhere is working on a mod that you're going to do a whole lot more with these horses than you ever <laughs> would have thought anybody should ever do. Yeah, probably. I you're going to soothe the horse, and you're going to tame the horse. Yeah, and that horse gonna... is going to tame you, <laughs> Mr. Hands. Oh God! <laughs> if you don't know what so Mr. Now Hands that I just is, everybody out. Uh... If you don't know what Mr. Hands is, do not Google it. You are you are very privileged to not know what Mr. Hands is. <laughs> yeah, um, but I it's honestly the best video game I've ever played, and it it's fun for the kids to watch too. Like I I re- I had a lot of you know delusions that the kids were going to help me play the game it's pretty advanced for them but they love to sit and watch it they it's it's a cartoon to them and yeah. it's a story that's kind of unfolding and they panic when i get into these sword fights with these creatures and stuff like that so it's it's fun <laughs> it's exciting <laughs> the one thing my my only criticism for the game is weapons break so easily you you barely get one i don't know melee out of one weapon. Like you can have a metal broadsword and you can find four or five of these, a a group of these creatures that's in the woods and you can get into a sword fight with them. You can bet that that brand new sword that you have is going to break by the time you're done fighting those five creatures. It's, it's that bad. Yeah. I always, a lot of games do that with armors wears out or swords break or whatever. I never liked that mechanic just because I feel like it's a very obvious time slash money sink, you know? Like, we, we want you to keep playing this game, so we're going to have to make you wander around to keep finding new weapons. Or you got to yeah. keep finding guys to get enough gold to just pay for the upkeep of your armor. There's better, more creative ways to keep you occupied than just the, waste the your time to get thing... more fake money. <laughs> uh, one thing that I do like about the... Uh, weapons is when they do finally break that final hit is usually a critical hit well so there you go yeah so i mean headshots are critical hits and the final blow with a broken weapon is usually a critical hit so that's good but (coughs) another thing that's actually kind of good about it is it's a pause screen so when you switch between weapons the action's not going on without you you're not scrambling to to pick another weapon yeah that's good. I mean, a lot of games, most games are like that, I think, but a lot of games, it's like, oh, yeah, you better find a safe spot if you want to switch something out, or else you can get your ass kicked. Yeah. Which can uh, actually add a little bit of drama. And, yeah. It, the word. But, you know, if you drama. get... Drama. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have PTSD from playing video games. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Um, but, yeah, if I could fix one thing, it would be the... I would make weapons last just a little bit. And maybe... Maybe I'll get into it a little bit. I I know somebody else that is playing it, and they've sent me a screenshot that once you get the Master Sword, which in I don't know if you are familiar with yeah. the newer. I know you played the older Zelda games, but well, even a Link to the Past had the Master Sword. Yeah, the the Master Sword is the the one that you get, and it's supposedly unbreakable. However, it has a purpose, and if you use the Master Sword for 
stuff that it's not suited for. It doesn't break, but it goes into a kind of a stasis where you can't use it with a timer. Huh. Okay. So you have to be virtuous. You can't just kill. Yeah, I, creatures I, with I, can't, it. I can't kill an anonymous ogre with the master sword. I have to. I have to use it for what it's intended for. I guess I don't know. It, it bothers me a yeah, little bit. Big brother telling you how to use your swords. That's where yeah. it begins. That's where uh-huh. it starts. Yep. So versus swords, and then it's. Then it's production rights. Shields. Natural progression. And then your body and, armor. Yeah. And then your genitals. Yep. I mean, the sword's a metaphor anyway, so I mean, might, <laughs> might as well. If you're not using you your genitals. You can only stab what we tell you you can stab, if you know what I mean. Right. Use your genitals wisely. <laughs> That's what my mom always said. Responsibly. Like the government wants you to use it. Right. That's sound advice, actually. Don't don't just go willy nilly using your genitals for things other than their intended purpose. Ask your congressperson first, boys and girls. Yeah. Always get permission. <laughs> so, what are we doing next week? Uh well, let's let's see. What should we what should we talk about next week? How about formulas? Huh? Formulas. That's what we're going to bring to the table next week. Formulas and how they dictate how content how gets many TV brought shows to us. E equals MC squared. That's what we're going to talk about the entire time. All right. I look forward to it. I got to do some Quadratic equations. Yep. (laughs) Algebra. A squared plus B squared always equals C squared, bitches. Always. Unless you're watching, like, I don't know. Hey, big announcement. Uh, Game of Thrones is coming back July 16th. Dun, dun, dun. So by the time this gets put out, it'll be close. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? By the time this gets put out. We'll have our uh, color commentary episode, too, huh? That's right. We'll definitely have some color commentary. I want everybody listening to this podcast to know that we will not shy away from the hard topics from our favorite television show to, I don't know, see dragons raping people. I think that's totally what's going to happen this new season. It's got to be. It's got to be. And if not, well, there's the internet for that. You can find it. <laughs> Guaranteed. If you really need to see it. It's going to be on there. Google it. You can find it. You will find it. You might have to go to the deep dark web, which Probably technically... Probably not. <laughs> technically, the dark web is when you Google search something and click on page two, you're immediately sent to the deep web. <laughs> Your name's on the list and you're being watched. That's... <laughs> right. But this guy was searching for the DMV phone number and he clicked on page two. He's definitely <laughs> doing something bad. Nobody clicks on page two. I mean, no. good lord. Nobody does. If you do, <laughs> we know what you're up to, and it's those, no good. Those O's in Google, it's pretty much a representation of an right. open mouth of shock. <gasps> <laughs> well, just who's going to go around what? saying, Google. <laughs> Click on page 16, and I think you'll be in the seventh letter, seventh circle of hell, yeah. I'm guessing. Ah, seventh circle of hell. I'm page 16. Exactly <laughs> 16. All right, well... That's it for this episode of Masters right. of Profundication. Until next week, I'm Tom Witham. Wait. I'm Bob, no. I'm, I'm, I'm Bob Scully. You're Bob I'm Scully. Scully. I'm Bob Scully. I'm always going to be Bob Scully. Okay. And I'm something Mulder. Frank Mulder. I don't Frank Mulder. <laughs> Frank and Stein Mulder. Frank and Stein Mulder. It's <laughs> two guys. It's a lot for them. You got room in there for two. Eh, well. Yeah. Make room for two. Yeah, there's always room for one that more. That sounded dirtier than I meant to be. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, dip me in your Monday milk. Dip me in your Monday milk. Yes. All right. We're out. Ya.